Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. So they have their MyQ app. And what that is, is that's what runs the garage door remotely in the smart home stuff. But they have a way to give it access from their system. So you have to allow this kind of third-party access into it. So yeah, they can come up and say, oh, cool. Uh, instead of it putting it out in the rain on the porch or, <laughs> you know, hey, I'm worried about my stuff getting stolen. It'll just open the garage door up and do it. Boom. What I like about this garage door opener is it also has a camera on it. So you could actually set it to notify you when the garage door opens. And so you would see that Amazon person kicking the package in and where it is. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know. But we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, your source every single week. All that home improvement advice that we give you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline. Hello, everybody. How are you today? What's oh, happening? Good over on this side here. Just uh, looking forward to this subject because this is one of my favorites. I cannot wait to dive into all about garages this hour. We haven't, I don't think since I've been on the show, we've talked about them. Yeah, yeah. But, but not really dove into it like this. And this first segment, I really want us to dive in kind of about the inherent issues with garages, especially ones that are attached to your house. That detached garage is a little bit different story, but that one that's kind of attached to the house. Great example, like Carolyn, my neighbor that's, what, four or five houses down, they have a newer house that was built in the last five years. And so they've got the three-car garage with the really cool hip glass garage doors. Nice. It's cool, but when they come home in the wintertime and the cars are wet from the rain... I walk by and it looks like it's raining inside because you can see the water running down the inside of the glass from the humidity condensating on the cold glass door. Nice, not. So that's going to be a moldy, moldy mess inside that garage. And the bad part is, is people store things in there too, right? You guys store everything in there. I'm looking yeah. in your garage as we speak. What do you yeah, got in there? It's tools, but I, I have uh, a lot of my stuff is actually out in the shed. And quite frankly, I prefer to put a lot of stuff out in the shed out there just because I don't like having that much stuff in the garage where I want to do work. And so I've been really trying to pare stuff down here to get it pared down so I can, of course, do the show in here, but as well, be able to do some work in here, paint some stuff, do whatever I want to do. The hard thing, I think, is that some of these products that you do need for home improvement don't do well in a shed that's an unconditioned space, right? So that's the issue, why people start putting stuff in to begin with that they shouldn't. So they've got paints, they've got caulk, they have all kinds of cleaners and different things that they don't want frozen or exposed to the elements. Yeah, like all my latex paints are in the cans and they're sealed up in the garage inside. But I've got all my other more automotive chemicals in the carport, actually, on a... uh, on a racking system out there uh, that's, that's sitting good. outside. So that works out well because it's covered, 
but none of that's really going to get frozen enough to blow up. You know what I mean? It's like my motor oil and my antifreeze and my brake clean and all those things out there. Not good. It's going to be okay if it froze. It's not going to hurt something. Yeah, it's in a car out in the frigid temperatures. It can handle it. Yeah, yeah. It'll it'll take it okay. But moisture is one of those things that the newer the house, the more of an issue you have inside is that moisture. We've had them. We've talked about it on the show before, but. Really, if you've got that finished garage that's insulated on the outside and you've got a pretty conditioned space, make sure that you've got ventilation like an ERV or more even importantly, I think a vent fan sometimes have with a humidity sensor inside is a really important feature because if you're going to park your car in it, you're going to have a lot of things that come in there that you need to vent off and make sure you get it out of there. So one, you don't get mold and two, it doesn't show up inside your house. Yeah. So anytime you start a car or you idle a car and you shouldn't idle with even the garage door open, but people do, you're launching all these petrochemicals like benzenes and toluene and these carcinogens. And if you ever saw what was in a label or on a label of gasoline, you wouldn't want it in there. So you launch that up, it goes into your airspace, pressurization pulls it into your house. And now you've got it up on your, on your kitchen, you've got it in your walls, you've got it in your couch. So you really need to be careful and have some sort of ventilation. And also with these cans and paint cans and things like that, they're not, they're never sealed. So once you crack a paint can, that can continues to leach out all kinds of stuff. So make sure that you've got that covered. You've got to have some type of ventilation in the garage. It's not just the space that you can put everything in and it doesn't affect you. You know, it's a really good point because that stuff there is really some of those things that you've got to be really careful with just all that stuff inside there and it can leach into the house and you're good. My garage is, the ceiling is insulated. The walls aren't on three sides because I've got a wood garage door in the front and then I've got two walls that go to the exterior and the rest of it is insulated wall to the house. So I still can get stuff inside in there. And you know, when I'm out working in the garage out here on a, on a cold day or a hot day, I still have air traveling in between the two spaces. So I have to be really careful. Of course. Because it's a semi-heated garage. Yeah, I mean, even when it's not, air finds the path of least resistance. So it's going to find cracks and crevices and follow-up ducting and anything else that's going through the garage into the main house, and it's going to go in. Negative pressure is going to pull that in. You always think of your house as like arrows pointing in. Anything from the outside is going to make its way in. When you open a window, what happens? The air comes in. So it's the same principle with your garage. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I I leave sometimes that garage door cracked so I can hear what the dogs are doing inside and that kind of stuff. So, of course, I'm even swapping even more air between those two. Thanks. Well, but I'm I'm purposely not keeping that that horrible stuff out in the garage. So that's the good part is it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. One of the things you got to be careful, too, and we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but, you know, what you're doing in a garage floor is important. And if you're parking your car in there all the time, you were telling me a story about having those mats on the floor that was in yours and it just got all nasty. Yeah. These garage floors are kind of complex, right? Because they're usually cement and they transmit vapor back and forth, right? Vapor goes down, vapor goes up, they're breathable. And so when you put systems, certain systems over them, you start to trap the vapor underneath. And so we went with this plastic, well, we didn't, we moved into a house that had this plastic lock and groove pieces that weren't breathable. You were talking about they weren't ventilated and they just went over that garage floor to prevent oil and things from going down in there. And so, yeah, then you got that gunk buildup 
to me, I would rather have somebody come in that is a professional industrial coatings people come in and actually grind that down and do the the epoxy or composite floor of the top of that and have it so you've got a super durable floor. And then no matter what, you could sit there and and clean it up. If you spill oil off the car or anything that was trapped down into that, you've now blocked that and kept it down into the concrete. And then anything on the top side, you can actually turn around and, and just clean it up with a mop or a, or a paper towel, and you've got it cleaned up and taken care of. Yeah, it's giving you a protection. The only thing I was asking Eric, and I don't know, this is more of Eric's expertise than mine, but with these epoxy floors, do they actually breathe underneath and allow that water vapor to come up? So no. you've got this concrete system. So the question becomes, if that moisture is staying down in that concrete, it could potentially get musty. And once that happens, but I think you would only smell that when you, if you were to pull up the epoxy or to disturb it in some capacity, I don't know if it would, if it would affect you, if you'd start smelling it around the perimeters or not, because if no. it gets musty under there, you could. No, you won't. It's the, the cool thing is, is that actually gets in there and almost chemically bonds with the concrete. So the only way you're going to pull that stuff back off is grind down the concrete again. So there's no way for it to get trapped underneath that because literally you're just going to sit there, but there's no air underneath that. So the, the moisture comes up through there it's not getting that air for it to get musty or nasty. So it's just a non-issue with uh, with anything like that. And it's attached to the concrete nicely. Those plastic, um, the basic um, flooring that you put down that I had, had no breathability. So when we lifted it up, it was completely saturated underneath with water. I mean, it was wet, it's musty, and then the block started to all smell. And I mean, literally, the it, the smell was so atrocious, it took over the whole house. I've used acid to etch it before, and that's taken care of it. Where you go in there with an acid and etch it, and that'll usually kill stuff on the top enough that you don't have to worry about it. Hey, when we come back, we're going to dive into garage doors next. This is an important one, and we'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. around the house show where we're talking garages today caroline this is gonna be fun because you know we just got talking about floors and kind of conditioning that space and be careful with it because we want to make sure that one it's a healthy space to live there's one thing in the garage that is almost more dangerous than anything else in there guess what that is the door (laughs) the The garage door coil spring on a regular garage door it's a big Rubber band. That coil spring up there. And you ever had one break? Mm -mm. Thank God, no. Oh, I had earlier this year. And it sounds like it's usually right when the garage door is going down. (laughs) And it's usually like six or eight inches off when it has the most tension on that spring. (laughs) And it goes, boom. And it sounds like a refrigerator fell over and landed up against the garage door. It's an explosion. Like, Boom. And I went, what is that? And I have some glass in my garage door. So I kind of looked in and I could see kind of the way I looked in at the angle. I could see the top of everything oh. shaking. And I'm like, dang it. That was a spring. Does that fire off? Like, does it like end so, up ending up parts of it somewhere else? Or does it stay pretty consistent to where it is? No, what it is, is it's under coiled tension, right? So it's, you're taking the spring and it's a coil tension this way. 
And what happens is that's the assist for putting the door up and down. So the door doesn't slam down and then slam up that way. That's what helps you open the door easily without a garage door opener. Mm. Because, you know, if you've got like a door like mine, it's a big wooden glass garage door from 1977. Yeah. So it's, I bet you that thing's 400 mm. pounds, easily. right? So it's heavy. So yeah, when you lose one of the two springs, that's yeah, not <laughs> oh, good. No. Here's where this is dangerous. This is not a DIY project of replacing the spring. I could have went on Amazon and ordered a couple springs. But here's the thing. When they came in and did the work, they came in and went, the bearings on that are going to uh, need to replace because we're going to take it apart. We're going to have it already apart. We should put new bearings on that because it's been there since the 70s. Let's get some more life out of this. So we replaced some bearings and rollers and stuff. And well, what it cost me a couple hundred bucks in parts, it cost me about 400 bucks to have everything rebuilt with new parts and pieces on it. And the problem is, is that if you're doing this, how you wind the spring up, right? So think of a long coil spring and you're going to tension it to store energy in it. The only way you do this is you have these long metal rods and you put them in a hole, you spin it a quarter turn, put another rod in and you hold... While you're holding this rod inside this hole, you twist it down, put another rod in, twist it down, and that's how you twist this thing. The problem is, is I know of a guy, and this happens a lot, that decided to do his DIY repair and didn't have it in there just right, and it came off. And when the metal bar came up and hit him in the chin, it broke his jaw. You can see how that can happen. Those springs... Those springs can kill you if you're not careful. He was lucky. He just had a broken jaw. But you got to be super careful with those things. I did. I could have done mine. I know exactly what needs to be done to do that. Did I want to touch it? Nope, mm. because my medical deductible is going to cost me more than what it's oh, going to be to have somebody come out, give me a warranty, and, and fix it correctly. And... Again, best 400 bucks I ever spent on a door, but that's what you got to be really careful with because those things, not so much when they fail, you don't want to be underneath it, of course, but really that door is what what's good. And then if you're thinking about replacing a door, it's the same kind of thing. You got to release that tension. So I'm a big fan of replacing garage doors, have somebody come out and do it. And that way they can get rid of the door for you. You're not having to haul it off and, uh, it gets installed and adjusted correctly because when they work perfectly. They're and awesome. there's so many garage door companies now too. But just uh, one tidbit of knowledge, if you're going to be ordering a door now, it may take you quite a bit to get it. <laughs> and in my office building, they have a detached garage, which is an odd sized door, which makes it a little more complicated. It was much larger than normal, but it's been what? Six months? No, back since October, it's been ordered. No door. It's a long time. Yep. Now we're in April. Yeah, and that's and a lot of that is just the supply chain issues we have out there as well. Usually, you could get a new door in a month. Not so much mm. now. You kind of can't. As you as you are likely, I mean, you kind of can't go without a door. <laughs> so it's it's challenging. So now that door doesn't open, they've had to put it up so it they can't get anything out or into the garage until the new one comes because it's broken. But you need something oh. there. You can't not have a garage door facing out to the roadway. Or you'll lose your tools. Oh, or, it's brutal. You know. I mean, you're plywooding it up and making it look, trying to make it look decent. <laughs> it's just not. not good. 
And that was damaged by flood. That was water mm-hmm. that hit it, correct. correct? Took out the whole bottom two panels of the door. Oh, I bet that's musty in there now, too, with oh, without the door being open. Yuck. It's nasty. Yuck. Not your cleaning job, not my cleaning job, but nope. not pleasant. No, no. Not pleasant. Well, that's, you know, there's so many good doors out there these days, too. When I replace mine, it's going to be mostly a glass door because I want to be able to see in and out of it. Um, I'll have one that's frosted glass. Might even have regular glass in the other one, too, like that frosted, so I can just have the light but not have the have some privacy to what's inside. What's the benefit? So at my home, I have a solid door, so no glass. But, I mean, are there benefits, mm-hmm. pluses or minuses to having doors? I mean, sometimes it's architecture, right? People want to have a solid glass look-see. It just goes with their architecture. It's beautiful. But, I mean, are there benefits to having a door, or is it more aesthetics? I mean, to a window or having that space be glass? Yeah, it's more aesthetics. I mean, you can have a much more sealed up garage with not having to have a, a glass door in it because if you've got a an insulated steel door in there, that's going to be much better with sound and, and temperature than it is a piece of glass, right? And then the glass doors end up being so much heavier than what a regular steel, a stamp steel insulated mm. door is. That's what you got to be careful with. For me, it's all about, it's all about just getting it dialed in and looking pretty from the outside mm-hmm. and have it a part of that architectural feature of the house. You got to have the right house and the right door. Those two really have to go together. Well, so true. getting that right door. And for me, this garage door is going to stay here for a bit. Cause I want to do that uh, garage addition. And when I do that, when the time comes, I want to have a taller ceiling in here, probably have a slightly taller garage door as well, ha- because I want to be able to get my truck in the garage. No problem. So when I do that, that's going to be a custom sized garage door. And I don't have to buy two garage doors, especially when they're glass and they're so expensive. And what about home tech? So the garage becomes part of this home tech too. So uh, people want to be able to open it, sure. close it, let people in. How does that affect your home technology? Oh, uh, there are so many things for that. And this next segment, I want to talk more about it. And that's a good transition to go out here to break because there are some great new home techs out there especially now that if you're in an area with a little bit of crime, like with people stealing Amazon packages, you can put a garage door opener in that you can allow Amazon to have access to so they can open the door up enough to kick the the, the package underneath your garage door and head really? out. And uh, that way your package never yeah, gets but do stolen. Do you want people having access to your tools? Like your stuff? Yeah. I don't know. If they're going to get it, they're going to get it. And Amazon's too busy. They don't have time, <laughs> don't have time to, time get to that. steal. <laughs> I don't got time to steal that. All right, we'll talk about more of that just as soon as Around the House returns. Hey, guys, you're listening to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. I'm Zeke Sky, and I'm going to show you how to shred it out while you're building it up. Welcome back to the Around the House show. Caroline and I have been talking here about garage, garages and garage door openers now because we're just talking about garage doors and what can go sideways with those. And one little side note on that, Caroline, it's always good to have that thing tuned up. So if it's not working right, call that garage door company to come out and give you a little tune-up on it. If it's acting wonky, get it fixed. Probably can save the garage door because if it gets too hung up with the wrong door opener, it can completely taco up that uh, 
that garage door. So make sure everything's tuned up correctly on the opener and the garage door. And then some people have like three, four doors. This is like yeah. a big investment. So you definitely want to make sure that you're servicing everything. Because, I mean, that can get pricey. I imagine replacing four doors. I know how much it was to replace one. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I want to have four doors to replace. That's my that's my dream garage. <laughs> what are you talking goal. about? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So here's the thing. I've got in my house right here, I've got this Chamberlain, newer Chamberlain garage door opener. So it has the ability for you to let Amazon have access to it. Now, here's what's cool about that. So you can, Amazon can kick a package in the garage and you're good to go. Now, what I like about that is if someone's in your, you know, in your neighborhood stealing packages or it's a concern, you can get that dialed in pretty quickly. The other thing I like about it, though, is, is if Amazon gets there and, and they open up the door and they can't get it to shut, that driver mm -hmm. has to wait around for Amazon's garage tech person to come over and take over and make sure that, that garage door is working correctly so they can leave. So they're mm -hmm. not going to leave if the garage door doesn't shut. They're not going to go up. Looks like you got a broken garage door. I'm out of here. So is this a pack? Is this an app or something through Amazon or how does this work that they, that they can access it? So they have their MyQ app. And what that is, is that's what runs the garage door remotely in the smart home stuff, but they have a way to give it access from their system. So you have to allow this kind of third party access into it. So yeah, they can come up and say, oh, cool. Uh, instead of putting it out in the rain on the porch or, hmm. hey, I'm worried about my stuff getting stolen, it'll just open the garage door up and do it. Boom. What I like about this garage door opener is it also has a camera on it. So you could actually set it to notify you when the garage door opens. And so you would see that Amazon person mm. kicking the package in and where it is. So I know they're not going to try to take my car out for a joyride. Exactly. <laughs> So that's the key. You know what I mean? That's that's where that is. And so it's really cool and it works out pretty well. And my garage door opener with the remote access saved my behind a few years ago because I told you the story about uh, my smart home stuff when the one of the dogs got out. And that was yeah. a huge problem. Dog got out. Man, neighbor got it. I'm four and a half hours away and our dog sitter's hour and a half away at work. And couldn't break away because he was on the radio. So they hit my doorbell. I answered the doorbell and said, okay, I'm going to open up the garage door. Go ahead and put the dog in the garage. Nice. And when he gets home in a couple hours, we'll make sure that the dog will be fine. That's exactly what we did. Worked out well. See? Helps so that That access. was another good little pet owner trick for the dog that got escaped. Now he can't escape, but we've gotten better on that technology as well. <laughs> but there's so many great garage doors out there. Here's one of the things I like. There's your typical quiet garage door that they have. Then they have these new ones. And Caroline, you know what the regular garage door opener looks like. It's sitting up there in the mm -hmm. middle of the garage. And they now have these new models now that have been out for a while, but they're really more residential now. They've been commercial forever. They're a direct drive opener. So it goes up on the side of the garage door where the big rod goes in the spring is up there. It mm -hmm. goes in the very top corner up there. And so it grabs, instead of having that whole arm and the yeah, attachment that. to the door, it's spinning the rod that the spring is on. So like it's that. actually driving that from there. So it's never fastened into the garage door. 
it's fastened to the rod that controls the cable for the garage. So no more of that big concoction in the center of the garage, which prevents me from being able to move gym equipment and other things because I use my garage as a gym. I'm guilty. There we go. It is hanging down Mm -hmm. in the way. Not anymore. So that's now out of the way. So that's kind of cool. And that, that gives you that other added little bit. And being direct drive, you don't have to worry about the, the chain or the belts or, or the screwdriver or whatever it is that, that runs that. That's just a, a motor that hooks right into the side of it. So that's kind of trick. I like that feature I like on those. That. And probably on my next door, I'll go that direction. That's an easy sell. So the big question, when your garage door is squeaking, and we all get this, mine's doing this right now, what is the fix for this? And how do we do it? I want to do it in a non-toxic way. Is there a way to do that? I would make sure that the track is well lubricated and make sure that that's working correctly. But really the thing that I start to worry about is, are, do you have a bearing going, you know, in, in some of these parts? Because there's all these different bearings up there in the corners of where the rod goes across the top. There's that big wheel that the cable goes up on. Right next to that is the bracket, that the bearing. There's a lot of stress on that bearing. So... Sometimes that noise can be that bearing failing. If that bearing fails, then it, things are getting ready to go sideways on you. And so there's lots of different things that can go. The wheels start to get kind of worn or the, the track gets bent. There's a lot of different things that can go badly on that. I'm going to have to have them out because it's doing that. When it's going up and down, you hear that. Yep. Could be a bunch of different stuff. My Mine with a bunch of bearings on it. It was good. They actually, on mine, it was cool. They took the, uh, while they were doing that, they actually took the wheels out and, and cleaned them all up and, and lubricated the little bearings in those and got those all dialed in. So it was pretty well set by the time we were done, but I was impressed that they could get that running. And it's it runs like a top now. I was like, man, I should have had you guys out earlier just to tune the thing up because it's 10 times quieter than it was. So this brings up another good point. What's the lifespan on a garage door? Is there one? It really depends. It depends on how well you care for it. It depends on the climate that you're in. I've seen garage doors last 10 years on a, on a coastal community where they got salt blown up into it. You know what I mean? It's rusting through the steel um, or, a, or a wood garage door that's on afternoon sun that's painted dark. That can split and check and go apart. I've got a 1977 door in my house. It's nearing the end of its lifespan. That's a long time. It's a long time on a garage door, but it's still holding up. It comes down to how well you maintain it and the climate you're putting it in. And then also- Those are the two big ones. The aluminum, like, so I have a steel door. And I mean, I don't, from the outside, it's aesthetically looks perfect. But now it's just starting to, and where, when it's making this noise when it goes up and down. So maybe it just needs a tune-up. Sounds like it. Maybe not. Sounds like it. That's an easy way to go. It's got a little bit of smile to it where there's a little bit of a warp to the bottom of the door so it doesn't seal perfectly. So I had to get creative with some, you know, with some, um, you know, seals and stuff to make sure it's sealed up great. Your door's and large from what I remember. Well. You have a, a, an ab, what I would call an abnormally large door. It's like a door and a half. No, right? it's a 16 foot, 16 by 7 oh, it door. It's pretty standard. Yeah. So it's, it seems big, but it's not. It does. And that works really well. Uh, but yeah, it's a heavy door, no question. But that's that big double car, kind of standard garage door. Mm. Which I do like that better than having two like nine foot ones because there's yeah. no post yeah. in the middle and it's just easier to get out of. And 
and all 100%. those. I mean, I had my last house I had, oh, it had, it was horrible. It was a builder special house and it had the eight by sevens. And so I went, I'd go to pull Ugh. my truck and I'd have to fold <laughs> the mirrors in just to get it in there. And I'm like, this is horrible. This is horrible. Hey, and we come back, we're going to have to jump out to break Caroline. We come back. I want to dive into the biggest important part of all this, which is storage. How do you come up with storage in the garage and how do you keep that from going sideways? Right? Absolutely. All right. We'll do that just as soon as around the house returns. Hi everybody, I'm Arik Amin from Steven Adler's band and you are listening to Around the House with Eric G and the beautiful Caroline. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. Hey, if you want to get a hold of us, the easiest way is to head over to aroundthehouseonline.com and you can message us there or just join us up over on Facebook, Around the House Show or Around the House Nation, which is our closed group that's just growing Hand over fist right now. So come on over there and share some stuff up. Well, Caroline. And don't forget Instagram. Oh, Instagram, they can find us there too, around the house show. Instagram, I'm over on Twitter. We've got everywhere. We're out there on social media. Well, Caroline, here's one thing. I'm going to go on my soapbox for a minute here. There is one thing about garages that drive me nuts. And they are poorly done garage conversions. I think we've all pulled up to somebody's house and you go, well, that used to be a garage. (laughs) It always seems that it's like you you pull up and there's like the big wide window there, but the garage, the concrete goes right up to the front of the driveway. You can see that clearly there was a garage here at one point. And then you always walk out of the kitchen and step down three or four steps and go into this Got a den area or whatever out there, or another bedroom. It's the teenager bedroom or something. Man, I can't stand those. And one, most of the time they're not done to code. And two, trying to make them look good on the outside of the house is almost nearly impossible to me. I know so many people that are doing that now too. That's like the trend. They're used taking to an outside garage and or detached garage. Yep. And they're, and they're trading in their garage for a family room. Yeah. And you got to raise the floor up. You got to do a lot of different things mm-hmm. to pull that off in there. But the one thing I don't like about it is that, you know, it's just when you pull up that driveway leads right up to it, like it was going to the garage. If you're going to do a detached <laughs> garage, I'm going to tell you, I want you to rip that driveway up and move it over to that and landscape in front of it. Man, so it looks so like true. it's part of the house. It's the only yes, way to do it. Definitely. Only way to do it. Well, we were talking storage, and, and here's a pet peeve, and you and I live in different parts of the country, of course. But what I see here, and, and I I have friends that have pl- beautiful cars stored in nice garages. But the problem is that they also have racking around three sides of that. And that racking in our earthquake country, it's like, 
I have so many friends that are a 4.0 earthquake away from burying that car alive in the garage and it'll be completely totaled because there is no way when that Home Depot racking falls over and all the bins and boxes and stuff fall on top of that car that it's not going to have to be repainted with a whole new piece of glass all the way around it. Eric sent me a picture today and I don't mean to throw shade or throw anybody under the bus, but it was bad. Beautiful car in the center of these racks of all kinds of storage materials. And that's coming down if you have an earthquake. Just imagine your garage totally packed with debris on all three sides. Oh, yeah. It's all going to be in the middle right. of the room by the time it's done. <laughs> it's so bad. So bad. So first off, if you're putting racks inside your garage, I don't care where you are. If you're in, if you're in Oklahoma, you could have a tornado. So tie the rack off to the wall. Make sure it's there. Screw it into the studs. Make sure it's fastened. It's no different than kid's dresser. Tie everything off. So if it does come down or it starts to move, it doesn't come down on top of you. And then what I like to do is get like bungee cords at least to put across. You put the the, the totes or whatever on that. If you don't want it to come down mm-hmm. on your car, put some bungee cords across there or even just some rope to tie off with some some latches, kind of like what you see at Home Depot. You can tie that yeah, off to so keep those things from, keep everything on the shelf. That's a good idea. You know, it's. It's something we don't think about in the North, you know, in the Northeast. I'm in New York, so we rarely get any kind of earthquake. And if we do, it's pretty, you know, minimal. You wouldn't really feel it. Yeah. Out here, my biggest one was a 6.9 that I wrote out. That's a big quake. That's really big. And so we got to just think about that stuff. Earthquakes can happen all over the country. I mean, you're up and in, in reduced. It's not like you're down in South Florida where it just never happens. But us West Coasties out here, we, we love to have earthquakes. And uh, it's one of those things you just want to make sure that you have stuff up there stacked. Now, the other thing that I want to talk about too, Caroline, that you see out there is making sure you're protecting that stuff against rodents because, I don't know, seems like rodents love to get into garages. They do. They're nesting. They want to have a little bit of warmth and towels and all kinds of stuff like that. Make for good, for good bedding. And they've got some food in there. Yeah. So, so they'll eat a bunch of your car parts and. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things and it doesn't take much of a, if you have a gap around your garage door, all it takes size of a pencil that mouse can get in there. It just reminds me of the auto expert when he was on and he told us about the cars being made of soy product. And that's why the mice love to be in there and eat your car. Yeah. He talked about sustainable materials and I was like, yeah, except when they have to (laughs) chew it all up and it's, it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. So you want to make sure that's a rodent free space. And uh, I always have some bait blocks out here in mind just to make sure that if they do get into it, that, you know, they're going to have a surprise. And they're coming. They are coming whether you have a new house. I remember Vinny had a brand new Mercedes in a brand new house right on the water on the bay. And you would think, okay, there's not that much mice. Within six months of him being away and not being there, the entire electronics in the car was shot. Oh, yeah. Because these mice got in and ate it. Yeah. And it's bad. So they're coming. It's bad. So you want to make sure. And they can get into so many different things. They can get into all the different. If you've got papers stored, they'll love to chew those up and nest in them. It's just something to be really on top of. And when in doubt, if you've got a big problem, that's when you bring the professionals in and bring in the pest control company to take care of it because it's it's hard sometimes um, to really understand what needs to be done and to bring in a fresh set of eyes to, to get those under control might not be the worst case. Eric and I were talking about 
Like he looks at the garage when he goes to look at a house immediately because that's his space, right? He loves to build and do contracting. And then I look at the garage as like the last space. But either way, it's so important. It's something that we just ignore. It's still a room in the house and it's still, and it has this unique environment because it's usually and traditionally not a conditioned space. So you've got to really watch like the things that are coming in, the rodents like to be in there, like Eric's saying. And then of course, like making sure it's ventilated, like we were talking about. I mean, you've got to, you've got to look at the space and not ignore it. I think a lot of people just stockpile stuff in there and don't think about it. One of the other things I've seen people do too, is they'll put their washer and dryer out there. And they won't, oh, yeah, I've seen they that. won't ventilate the dryer outside. They just let it go into the garage. So you put all that humidity in the space. <laughs> oh, I know. I have seen that. That's so bad, guys. And then you're going to have mold growing on your walls and just sweating vapor. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do it. It's not a good way to do it. And, and it's just one of those things. Be really careful with that because any kind of moisture like that coming in is just going to be a bad deal. I mean... And the other thing to do, too, is just make sure that you've got your electrical system out there dialed in as well in the garage. Because when you've got it cleared out or you're getting ready to move in, if you're going to add in extra outlets out there, make sure, one, that you don't bury them. Here's why. Usually there's a GFCI outlet outside in there that has to be reset at some point. And Murphy's Law is that somebody stacks something in front of that. They put in boxes or you know what I mean? It's on the shelf and it gets forgotten. And then they can't figure out why there's no power to the outside lights or the outside outlets. And you have to have that to be able to reset it. It's the forgotten one that I always call the cause of the Christmas disaster because their Christmas lights have kicked off outside and they can't figure out why. It's usually that one (laughs) in the garage that they need to reset. And maybe it's behind the beer fridge in the garage. Maybe it's behind a a safe that's out there or anything else, but it's always hiding and people can't find it. You know what I have in my garage, which is kind of interesting? What's that? Gas meter. In the garage? I have one of the old ones. It's in the garage. Oh, that's weird. They've never moved it. Yeah, but that's common here. So if you have a house that's built 1960s, 1970s, you have your, this huge gas meter, which takes up the entire quarter in the corner of the garage. That's crazy. All of ours are outside here. Mine, I'm actually going to work on mine. Mine is under the carport that's been there for 30 years. I'm going to get them to move it because I don't want it in the carport there. And eventually we're going to probably make that more garage space anyway down the road and have that professionally done. But yeah, it's that's one thing in the West Coast, East Coast. We don't see the meters. I mean, I can't tell you how many times on the East Coast I see where you've got the electric meter inside or the water meter inside. Mm-hmm. Out here, that doesn't happen. It's all in the exterior part of the building. And the thing is, you have to check it periodically for leaks. You can do a little soap and water, or you can run, really? you can run some kind of meter if you have the oh, technology. Oh, our gas company oh, comes yeah. around and tests it for you. For us, you call them up, they'll come test it. We're going to have to go out here to the end of the show because I hear the music going, but mine is uh, they come by about once a year and test it for for gas to make sure it's not leaking. There's that music, Caroline. We're done with garages. Uh I'm Eric G. (laughs) And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around Around the the House. Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, 
It realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.